Oh, by the way, I have a whole uh, set of pictures of, you know, Starbucks bartenders trying to spell correctly my name and write it on, on the <laughs> <laughs> Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 19 of The iFreak Show. This week on our panel, we have Pete Hodgson. Insert amusing British cultural reference here. Ben Sherman. Hello from H-Town. Andrew Madsen. Hi from Salt Lake City. James Zuber. Hello from uh, Houston. I'm not actually in Houston, but it feels like I'm in Houston. It's like 95 <laughs> degrees out here in Minnesota. Well, I don't know. I feel like I could like call Ben and go for ice cream or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's only 80, 87 right now, so you're actually hotter than us. I think we switched. And humid? Humid? Not super humid, but yeah, pretty bad. We also have Raj Smith. Hello from Salt Lake City. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and we have a special guest this way, and that's Cesare Rocchi. Or Rocky. Rocky, Rocky, right. Rocky. Hello. Yeah, I knew that, and I... You I, almost did it! I almost <laughs> did it, yeah. I, I'm, I'm famous, I guess, for botching people's last names, but I speak Italian and I read Italian and Italian's read like it's written. So I, yeah. Anyway, um, Chase, since you're new to the show, do you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Yes. Um, I'm Cesare. Uh, hello from my office, which is, which is in Italy on the East Coast in Rimini, to be exact. I'm a iOS developer. I got started in 2007. And yes, that's before the SDK, the official SDK was released. Um, I did a bunch of client work. Now I'm focusing on my applications. Uh, I speak at conferences. I'll be at CocoConf in Boston uh, at the end of October. Uh, I write books. Uh, my latest book is uh, iCloud for Developers, published by the Prague Prague. And that's all. There's more, but that's all for the moment, at the moment. <laughs> so is your book like a, uh, like a coping mechanism for iCloud? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> and yes, there is a chapter about core data and iCloud. And it's not empty pages. <laughs> it's not like, uh, this, this page intentionally left blank. Like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Though I thought of that. <laughs> It looks and feels like a big band-aid for your pain that you have. Yeah. So you travel out here for CocoConf? Isn't that like yes. an eight or nine hour difference for you? Uh, well, time slice-wise should be six hours. The trip should be around 11 hours or so. The East Coast is the closest to the Europe, so kind of easy. But I flew to Dallas for the CocoConf in uh, May or April, I don't remember. And that's that. That was a longer trip, so I don't fear long. Uh, uh, last year uh, I flew to Sydney for a conference, so definitely I don't fear long trips. Wow! All right. Well, we brought you on the show to talk about auto layout. Yeah, but please don't say I'm an expert. <laughs> <laughs> you know more than I do. <laughs> In a field of novices, anyone can look like an expert. <laughs> that is right. so true. <laughs> J James has been watching me try and code iOS. And? He's and, getting there. In a field of novices? Yeah. Anyway, so um, so let's talk about it. What is it? Well, auto layout is a way to 
make developers crazy. <laughs> and that's the first joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, it's, it's, a, it's a technique to build uh, layouts, dynamic, or as I prefer to say, fluid layouts. Uh, I, I think you are well-versed in web development, so you know about responsive design. Uh, more or less, it's, it's the same. Uh, so you have a bunch of techniques to uh, dynamically build, resize, and make reactive a user interface according to the either the, the device or the orientation uh, of the device. That makes sense. So I, I guess the question is, is, you really only have a couple of rev resolutions for any given device. I mean, you have the 4-inch uh, iPhone, the 3.5-inch iPhone, and the iPad, iPad Mini. So does all yes. the layout just allow you to build your views once and then have it kind of scale? Well, don't forget about the Mac, because all the layout is also on the Mac. Oh. Somebody disappeared. It happens. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was Andrew, but he doesn't care about the Mac, so... He's <laughs> <laughs> like, Mac, I'm out of here. Should I go on? Or Yeah, go ahead. So don't forget the Mac, because uh, Auto Layout is also available on the Mac. And you have many more problems on the Mac, because, you know, the windows, the window can be resized. But, uh, yeah, for a long time, uh, and when I say that, it, uh, it's more or less either three or four years, we had just two resolutions. I mean, one... Uh, I, um, to be correct, two form factors, one for the iPhone and one for the iPad. And then with the uh, release of the iPad mini and the iPhone 5, now we have four. Mm, and that's not comparable to the forest of uh, resolutions and form factors that you have on Android. So, uh, for example, the Android developers have been kind of lucky to have many resolutions since the beginning because... Wait, 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 they, wait, wait, wait. You said lucky? It's a matter of perspective, right? <laughs> yeah. Conceptually lucky. In a sense, they, 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 their mindset uh, since the beginning was, okay, we have to take into account different resolutions. Whereas very recently... So one year ago, more or less, the iOS uh, developers had to kind of switch or, you know, re re review and change in the mindset about resolution and four factors. That, that happens mostly with the release of the iPhone 5 because you have this. So Cesare, we, yes, we had, we had this mechanism before this, right? To, deal with what happens when you rotate your phone. So suddenly your view went from 320 points wide to uh, 480 points wide and right. you could make a view like, you know, resize along that line. So why, uh, where does that uh, break down and you know, like why do we need auto layout if we had uh, that? So that's, that's like the struts and spring stuff, right? Yes, the spring and struts. Yeah. Uh, which is, by the way, still Valid is an approach. I mean, you can build your application even for iOS redacted uh, using Spring Struts. So uh, you're not Apple. Let me say at the moment doesn't force you to adopt auto layout. You can go with the good old approach of named Spring Struts. Auto layout is a you know 
a different approach to build, if you like, to build the same application. I mean, the same layout, the same behavior, the same reactivity according to the to the uh, orientation of the device and stuff like that. Um, but probably as a technique, looks looks towards a future in which we'll have different resolutions or the problems that we have on the Mac, like the resize of the window. And don't forget uh, localization. Right. That overlaps with uh, localization. And good luck if one of your applications supports German. <laughs> my, suggestion, my, suggestion, my suggestion is to start with the German localization, even before the English localization. <laughs> Uh, and don't forget about the right to left languages. Uh, so auto layout was brought in also to address issues related to right to lang, right to left languages. Yes. I found in German, you can just assume that every word is a hundred characters. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the shortest. <laughs> so when are examples when you would want to use it versus when you maybe wouldn't? I guess I'm asking what the trade-offs are for using auto layout versus just kind of doing it on your own. If you're in iOS 6 or, yeah, iOS 6, don't use it <laughs> in about a month. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we could start with that. Why do people uh, hate on auto layout so much? Well, I think I can say a little about that because I'm one of them. Um, I've tried to use auto layout for about the last five projects I've started, uh, including both iOS and a uh, uh, very significant Mac app. And in every case, I've ended up eventually just turning it off and going back to springs and struts and, and uh, manual um, layout and code. And the reason for that is almost entirely interface builder, which allows you to edit, to edit your auto layout constraints, but it does so in a very frustrating, it has a very frustrating UI. So the problem is it tries to keep, tries to make sure that you, um, your your layout is always fully constrained, so it won't let you uh, create ambiguous layouts. Um, but that that actually is a big pain because if you delete a constraint just because you want to edit it or you're going to add add a new one or something, it will immediately sort of refresh and create new constraints to fully constrain the layout. So it's it, essentially it's always going behind your back and changing things and uh, not allowing you to be in control and. It, it makes small changes, so you get a layout working perfectly, and then you want to add one new view or something. It makes those kinds of small changes a huge pain. Sounds helpful. Hey, Andrew, did you try using the uh, the ASCII art programming <laughs> for yeah, I, layouts? I, I did, and that's actually better because you are in that case in full. Con you know, you have full control. It's not obviously not going to insert lines of code for you. Um, the problem is, I like using Interface Builder to design my interfaces. I don't really want to write a whole bunch of layout code, even if it is constraints. So, And one of my problems with writing code to do user interface layout is I think that makes it harder to add new things or make changes, because I can't just drag something to a new position. I have to figure out coordinates or figure out constraints. Can we... Um, yeah, inevitably, you'll see somebody like open up a, an, uh, a nib with auto layout enabled and then they'll start, they'll like move the mouse over and you'll see like the resize handles and you like jump out of your seat and you're like, no, <laughs> don't touch, don't touch it. <laughs> Cause 
immediately when you touch it, all of those uh, sort of handcrafted constraints that you created are going to be rewritten to satisfy the new layout. What it you know it tries to interpret what you're doing and uh, usually gets it wrong. Oftentimes, I will do like a really quick sample using auto layout, and whatever Xcode gives me, I will just say, okay, that's fine. You know, like it, it looks fine in the uh, Retina, like uh, the the tall simulator, the four inch iPhone uh, display. And then uh, when I run it and it ends up on a three and a half inch, like the buttons are overlapping each other because it did the wrong thing. Can we um, can we kind of take a step back and talk about the the constraints thing? Because I I think that's um, I don't know if we actually dis- like described what that was. Oh right, constraints are kind of man in the middle, if you like, because with the old uh, spring and strut approach, you know, you you declare. Uh, either in interface builder or in code, you declare, you know, if you stick to the left, stick to the right. Uh, and that's all. You do the same uh, with constraints, but constraints can, uh, well, first of all, in spring and struts, you always declare, you know, stick to the left, stick to the right, and so on and so forth, according to the super view. Whereas the big news in auto layout is that you can declare constraints between different views uh belonging to different branches in the UI rendering uh, hierarchy and so uh the expressiveness of all the layout is way way bigger than than the spring stretch approach but uh you also have issues uh, like the ones we we have already mentioned uh so uh auto layout uh, is inspired to declarative programming so uh you don't set explicitly the x of a component but you say i want this component to have the same x or y or whatever or height width and so on and so forth of the super view or some other component and then it when when the application is running you have a mechanism that calculates uh, which are the actual values for uh, X and Y and height and width and so on and so forth for each component. Uh, that's that's a mechanism based on an algorithm, the Cassowary algorithm that solves linear equations. Because essentially, when you when you declare a bunch of constraints you are declaring a system of linear equations and, and there's an algorithm that uh, solves them, assigning a, a value for each variable. So as a developer, I mean, my first, when I, when I first started playing with auto layout, I felt I had to give up some control. I mean, you can't be, uh, if you are a control freak, uh, uh, it's not for you because there's this guy in the middle that kind of automatically does something for you. And with those, uh, that kind of linear equation thing, when, when we were talking earlier about ambiguous constraints, that's when there's like more than one solution for the equation, right? Yeah, you can stumble upon a few cases. Well, the, the case that you want is the one in which there's just one solution, so one single unique set of values for each of the variables of your system of equations. But you can stumble upon two bad cases. One is no solution or multiple solutions. And I don't know 
which one to prefer. Both, anyway, will require you to go through the code or, unfortunately for you, open <laughs> Interface Builder and try to find out uh, a solution. I mean, uh, the solution can be provide additional constraints, over provide constraints that override in a way that the constraint solver is happy at runtime or at compile time in the case you're using interface builder or writing your own code. But, uh, you know, these are the two, uh, the two cases that you want to avoid, whereas you want to chase the case in which there's just one uh, unique solution. Will interface builder tell you when you're, when you've kind of got a, uh, I don't know, a, a system that, that's ambiguous? Can it do that at kind of compile time or does, do you have to actually run run the app and rotate it around and find your iPad mini and plug that in and stuff to find out whether you've got an ambiguous uh, definition or not? Uh, it depends on the case. And uh, now I, I, I don't remember exactly. Interface Builder in iOS 6 tries to, um, whatever you do, tries to build something that is not ambiguous at compile time. Of course, cannot cover the runtime thing. Uh, so even if everything is okay in Interface Builder and the compilation is good, uh, at runtime you might stumble upon either some not crash, uh, but for sure you can stumble upon some non non-desired layout. And I guess if you're using that ASCII art technique where you're kind of defining the layout programmatically, then the compiler has no chance of detecting that before before runtime. So then you've just got to run it and, and look for the bugs. It just does a syntax check, as far as I remember. Uh, so it tells, okay, the syntax of the ASCII uh, string is correct or not. But of course, it cannot cover at all what happens at, at runtime. So you'll, you'll have to find out yourself, either testing the application on, I mean, on either the simulator on, or, or the real device. And in the console, you can have a few, you have a few helpers. One is uh, some tracing mechanism that tells you, not only tells you there's something ambiguous, but also where is the ambiguity? I mean, it prints, it prints out the hierarchy of your views and says here in this exact node, there's an ambiguity. So there's the point you have to change. Stumped. <laughs> so probably be, be, because it's the topic is boring. Probably <laughs> it's it's a very hard topic to talk about because it's uh, so visual, right? It's like I, I'm trying to think of an example, like how you could explain some of the the things of like when you're talking about the hierarchy and you're not just depending on your parent, your super view. You can also depend on your and I'm kind of trying to visualize a a thing, but it's hard. It's hard when you don't have a visual um, uh, prop. Yeah. Uh, one thing I think that uh, beginners coming to auto layout might get, uh, well, I think you're guaranteed to get frustrated with is that at least in uh, today's Xcode, when you drag a view onto another view and it gives you some initial set of constraints, it's doing that to satisfy what it thinks you want. And you can see these in, in Interface Builder. But if you're like, well, I don't want it to be centered. I want it to be, you know, X number of pixels from the left edge always or vice versa. You can't just go in and delete them. In fact, if they're not blue, then uh, then you can't delete them at all. They're provided by Xcode. So I think that's a common frustration for people who don't really understand how it works. And to get around that, you have to add 
sufficient redundant constraints supplying what you do think is valid. And then the ones that are, that were generated by Xcode then become uh, blue and editable, and then you can delete them, uh, which is kind of, you know, it's annoying. And I, you know, this, this is certain to change in like a month, but uh, uh, it is a common thing that I see new people running into. Right. Well, to, to go a little back to one of the, the, the questions that you asked, for example, uh, I don't use auto layout for every project uh, that I'm working on. Uh, well, to, to be honest, I, well, I'm a big detractor or opponent of uh, interface builder, probably because I, my applications are mostly are custom applications. So I, I hardly use the built-in navigation view controller buttons and stuff like that. And so I'll write my own layout code, uh, which I, I find it's easier, probably takes a bit more time, but it, I feel I have much more control about everything that, that's going on. Plus, and we all know that, you know, diffing code is easy. Diffing interface builder versions can be a nightmare, though I'm told that in one month, things will be better. Um, <laughs> the but, sun will uh, come uh, out tomorrow. but uh for example when i'm prototyping so the goal is to get out a version as soon as possible to test an idea or to see if something is doable or or something like that auto layout is off auto layout does not even exist in my dictionary because probably because I, i feel i'm quicker in in writing my own code uh my own layout code and I don't want to deal with, you know, ambiguities, uh, or, you know, there's no, there are multiple solutions, uh, and stuff like that. And so, uh, I, I, in that case, I manually set, I mean, uh, whatever, whatever value I need for my variables, X, Y, and so on and so forth. And I feel fine. And I'm sure that if the first prototype is good or satisfactory, I, that's a good, starting point for for future versions but i guess this is about not all the layout per se but it's about interface builder so one one thing that you mentioned like custom layouts and uh, sometimes that can be a pain because you can't actually see what you're working with all the time inside of interface builder another thing that sort of drives me crazy or drives me away from using interface builder for everything is when you have um, some sort of complex animation like you might want to um, move something to the right in order to make room for some other new thing that you're going to bring in. And anytime I'm doing things like that where I need to animate the layout of one thing to a new position, um, I know it's possible in auto layout, but I tend to drop down to code for that. And I just say, oh, this is my original rect, and I will use some numbers uh, relative to that in order to move it to the right or whatever I need to do. And I'm, I might save that so that when I toggle it back that I can go just restore back to the original rect in an animation block and not have to worry about it. Um, right. Well, do you have any uh, like funny. tips or anything on how you would do that with auto layout and not? Uh, uh, well, it's it funny obvious? because, because I think that auto layout, uh, with animations is pretty cool. I mean, uh, when you, when you first hear the theoretical description of auto layout, you might think, well, it should be a mess to work with auto layout plus animations. But, but fortunately it's not because, uh, when auto layout is on, you can, you know, 
write your code uh, or prepare your interface builder thing for the uh, first view. And then when you want to animate that view, you just provide a new constraint and call and call uh, uh, layout if needed. And that's all. So that, that's the, probably the easiest part of auto layout. Uh, of course, the, the new constraint that you provide has to override the uh, one of the value of the old layout. Otherwise, uh, nothing moves. But uh, that that's pretty trivial. Uh, so I, I thought it, uh, the first time I thought, okay, it must be a mess with you know all layout plus animations. It's not. So how much of that is done actually for you? So if you have like a small box in like an upper right corner and you want to make that fill the screen and you give the different constraints. And so it'll just do the animations for you. It'll just kind of make a best guess. Is that how uh, it works? Yeah. I mean, you provide the new values for the, in this case, for the dimensions of your view. And then you call, uh, well, not the new values, the new constraints that you want in the new, that you want when the animation is over. Uh, and then you call layout if needed. That's all. So the, the, the difficult part is probably to come up with the right set of constraints to change the actual, the, 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 the current uh, layout to build the animation. Okay. Does this work pretty cleanly if you have like different aspect ratios and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's it, you know, with all layout and constraints, it's all relative. So it, it's all about you and the, the relations that you, you provide in, in a form of equations to the to the constraint solver okay so so what's the most esoteric auto layout kind of animation you've done oh well i i tend to do pretty simple animations like move out uh and stuff like that i really didn't experiment with esoteric animations but uh it's comforting to know that if I want to deal with animations and auto layout is on either because I was drunk the first time I started the project or because I'm working on a team that really believes in auto layout. In both cases, I, I, I know it's not a nightmare to work with auto layout, uh, to work with animation when auto layout is turned on. Oh, very nice. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool to think that you could do kind of animations like that where you're moving across the screen and not have to break out the linear algebra book that I've forgotten, you know, many, many years ago. So it's very cool <laughs> right, stuff. Right. And also you can use the animations that the animation layer provided in UI view. I mean, you don't have to dig in uh, CA layer animation and stuff like that. Ah, very nice. Do you guys want to talk about the ASCII art thing at all? And go into that detail and what that is? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, that, that's probably the most uh, esoteric uh, aspect of auto layout. Uh, so you have this ASCII-like syntax that allows you to define a constraint. Instead of uh, building the constraint in Interface Builder or using the very verbose method that you have in code to create a constraint, you can use a very compact syntax uh, to say, for example, that a button has to stick to the left uh, or stuff like that. And uh, it's it's very concise. I'm trying to dig up an example because I... Uh, so you can build constraints either for the horizontal or vertical uh, axis. 
And then uh, you can... Well, one not so, not so nice thing is that in a string, you have to use the exact name of the variable that you have used to refer to, for example, a UI button or a UI view. So that's weird. And if you mistype that, of course, the compiler is, cannot help you. But, uh, you can change, you can do exactly the same thing that you do in, in, in code or interface builder. So, for example, you, you have a dash to, uh, no, you have a hyphen, sorry, to refer to the standard margin, which is, now I don't remember. I think it's eight on the Mac and 10 on the iOS. You can say that between two elements, there, there has to be exactly 100 in points or uh, by the way everything is in points and not pixels uh, or at least 100 points or at most 100 points and so on and so forth uh, the syntax is so esoteric that you can all you can also express priorities we didn't discuss this but uh, you can assign a, con a priority to each constraint so uh, that that's actually a kind of hint to the constraint solver because you might want a constraint to be more important than, than others, uh, and so on and so forth. In my experience, you know, these, these kind of esoteric strings should be uh, pretty short in general. So it's, it's better to break them down in different constraints instead of, you know, ending up with a 200 characters, uh, string, uh, that probably would be very hard to do debug. Um, do you want to talk about intrinsic size? That was a concept that came up when Autolate was first introduced, and it was uh, somewhat confusing at first. Yeah, right. Intrinsic size is a method that you have probably on UI component, but anyway, uh, it's available on any anything that goes on screen, essentially. And of course, it returns a value, but that value is different according to the type of component. So, for example, if you have a standard standard button uh, and you, either you put that on on the in the design user interface builder, or you or you you, you create an instance in code in code, and and of course you add some view. A, a button as a as an intrinsic size as a non-zero intrinsic size, because Apple thought, uh, and I agree that a button at least should have you know the the width of its of its label uh, plus some padding probably uh whereas other components like ui view return a zero a zero dimension because you know they can contain subcomponents and stuff like that and uh, by default the runtime has no idea i mean uh, what would be the right or default dimension of a ui view and so sometimes you have to play also with intrinsic size to come up with a solution uh, for, you know, in a too many solutions uh, scenario or no solution scenario. So that's a method that you can actually override to return, to return uh, in, in your custom components, for example, to return what you think it's the right dimension or even something that is non-zero. Uh, one technique that is handy is if you accidentally like resize a label 
So if, if the label, for instance, is using intrinsic size to uh, provide its width and height, uh, and you resize it, it will stick to whatever size you resize, which might be bad if you want to localize and it's, your string might be longer or shorter. Um, right, or exactly. or if you're just typing in label in Interface Builder, but in code it may be some dynamic string. Um, you want it to be intrinsic size. The way you can get back to that is by clicking on the label and hitting Command equals, which will kind of, it looks like shrink wrapping the frame back to what the label's contents are, but in reality it's setting the width and height back to intrinsic size, which uh, will change as the content changes. Right. And so you, you know, there's always this going back and forth. So that's, that's probably the, the not nice part in, in auto layout that you are constantly forced to think both at design time and at trying time uh, at the same time. <laughs> no pun intended. So, uh, whereas in many other cases, you know, you're not forced to do that. Uh, when you write auto layout codes, okay, everything is fine. Everything compiles, but let's see, well, what, what would it do at runtime? And so that's why you have to test a lot. So Apple made some quips at WWDC in, in the, the iOS 7 control sizes have changed. And, uh, I don't know if you like read between the lines. It was kind of like, well, we told you to use auto layout last year. <laughs> right. Know? Uh, so how would that have helped us? What does that mean? Like, um, you know, if you're using auto layout, then you'd be okay. Why, why is that okay? Whereas, uh, you know, if we were just doing springs and struts in iOS 6, we probably have to adjust our, our views. Well, first of all, fun fact, uh, I don't know if you ever noticed that the switch, so the UI switch component changed default dimensions three times. So when the first, well, in the few first editions, we had, you know, the, 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 the first one. And then in iOS 5, I guess, it got a bit larger, I mean, uh, in, width-wise. And now in the future, it will be, it will have a different size again. So <clears throat> I still think that if you're, if you're building something for, well, of course, it, it always depends on what you're building. Uh, I still think that you don't need auto layout to build an iOS redacted uh, application. But let me restate my bias towards, uh, custom views and components. So that's probably why I don't feel kind of hurt by the introduction of auto layout or by the changes that will, will be introduced in, in, in the future iOS 7. Uh, for example, I have an application in the store and, uh, you know, I, when I read my Twitter timeline, I see people rushing and trying to adapt and refactor and change, uh, their, their applications and to make them ready for, for their soon, uh, probably soon, uh, release of, of iOS 7. Uh, whereas I'm, I'm, I'm well rested. <laughs> I don't suffer any sleep deprivation for that because I have a fully custom application and I, I'll probably change uh, or tweak the fonts or stuff like that. But, uh, it's so custom that, that I, I, I don't need to, review the code and change the color of the navigation bar or stuff like that. 
That's funny. I've heard people saying the other thing as well, saying that like my app is so stock that I don't have to do anything and it's just going to look amazing in iOS 7. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, building it's everything. It's the middle ground. It's the middle yeah, ground right. that really Which is sucks. most applications, right? <laughs> of course, if you build a completely custom application with completely custom components, the at the beginning, it's 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 not nice, and then you know you you have this. Uh, whereas if you go with standard components, it, it would probably be easier, but it pays off in this in this in these scenarios in which you know everybody is rushing, and I'm I'm here. <laughs> So I've got one last question is, so auto layout kind of sucks at the moment. Um, maybe it'll get better. Doing all this stuff by hand is kind of annoying. Is there anything else that's out there like an open source tool or something that is a little bit of best of both worlds that, that gives you like auto layout type capabilities but doesn't suck so much? Well, there are, there are uh, a few, a few, libraries or I mean third-party libraries and they are all kind of wrappers around the API of of auto layout because as I said you know to build to build a constraint I mean an instance of a constraint you have to provide I guess either six or seven parameters so people came up with with a few wrappers around this method and uh, uh, ways to make the code uh, more readable, but essentially they they all go down to an S constraint layout uh, to building uh, instances of of of, uh, of that class. Um, so they're just kind of like a like a little internal DSL on top of the yeah, sort of. But uh, as far as I'm aware, there there are no tools that uh, for sure there are no tools that build. Uh, that do the job of interface builders because nobody's crazy to build a <laughs> com- <laughs> nobody so crazy to build a competitor for for interface builder and uh, I saw a few on GitHub trying to to provide a nicer syntax for for auto layout code. Now I'm motivated to go and try and build interface builder. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's do it. I'm ready. I mean, it's just XML, right? Basically. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the format for nibs is really well documented, so, uh, yeah, what's the big deal? We can do XSLT will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's do the picks then. Ben, why don't you start us off this week? Okay. Uh, I have two picks. Uh, the first one is I wanted to play around with um, GLKit and SpriteKit uh, while I was at CocoConf. Uh, I attended a good talk, uh, Jonathan Bloxham, and he was just kind of the state of the OpenGL type frameworks on iOS and Mac. And I got kind of inspired that you could just open up a uh, Collada file directly in Interface Builder, or sorry, Xcode, and it shows you the model, uh, which I thought was pretty awesome. So with about 10 lines of code or maybe even less, I had a uh, a free 3D model of a wagon spinning on the screen. Um, I found the wagon from some online like 3D model gallery. I forget the name of it, uh, but it was in the wrong format. And I used this um, online 3D model converter to convert it into Collada's file format. And uh, it worked just like a, a champ. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So uh, this is an online 3D model converter, which might be useful. Uh, and then the other pick is a local Houston beer. Sorry, you can't get it any anywhere else. Uh, but it's uh, St. Arnold's Icon Gold, and it's a uh, 
Saison style beer. It's super good. Awesome. Rod, what are your picks? All right. Uh, my first pick is uh, called No Flow. It is a flow based programming environment for JavaScript that I saw on Kickstarter. And it looks very interesting. Flow base is where you have these components, kind of black boxes, and you can connect other components up with data, data flows. And it was very interesting. So I, that's my first pick. It's actually, there's a book on it written in the 50s by a guy who's updated it recently too. So it has a long history. And my second pick is uh, Coco Slopes, which is a conference, one day conference in October, October 12th that will be held in Ogden, Utah. And uh, there will actually be three speakers. Of the 12, I think there's like 12 speakers or so. Of those 12, there will be three of us from the Cocoa Heads SLC group, and that which will be Andrew will be one of them, and then Aaron London and myself. So if you're interested in attending that, you can go to mobileslopes.com and sign up. And those are my picks. Paul, Paul Maine's speaking at that too, and he's... That's right. Not, not a regular attendee, but he comes to Salt Lake Cocoa Heads too. He's the the developer, the designer, really behind day one. Oh, awesome! So you're gonna go skiing? Uh, yeah, I think there's uh, I think there's like free skiing the next day if we have snow. Oh, sorry, not skiing. There's free. Um, not there's yet. the in there's October. There's free uh, skydiving simulation and all this stuff the next right. day. Right. Yep. Yeah, it sounds really fun. And I'll probably be there, too, because it's not too far from here. Andrew, what are your picks? Uh, so I have two picks today, and the first one is uh, Apple Developer Tech Support Incidents. I, I'm not sure how to link to that other than there was a post on the unofficial Apple web blog about it uh, a few days back. Um, these are, th- when you when you have a paid membership uh, in an Apple Developer Program, you get two of these Developer Tech Support Incidents per year, and you can buy more. Um, I think they're $50 each or something like that. And I think a lot of people don't use them. I just submitted the first one ever that I've ever used on Friday. And in eight years as an Apple developer, I've never used one of these. And I uh, haven't got a response back. But um, you, this is pretty much the only way you can get personal code level support from Apple outside of WWDC. So they can be very valuable when you have a problem. We'll see how it goes. Uh, with the one I submitted. The other, my other pick is hopefully not a duplicate, I don't know, but, um, it's objectivec.io, which is a sort of online magazine. I guess you'd call it a magazine about Objective-C and related topics. And, and they've done three issues so far. And num- really my pick is number two, which is their issue about concurrent programming. Uh, there's a, bunch of articles about concurrent programming in Objective-C, and they're really good. Uh, for They've got s- sort of beginner-level stuff and also more in-depth stuff, and I've learned I've learned from reading these, and so it's good stuff. Yeah, plus one on that. I, I've been going through those over the past few weeks. It's, uh, yeah, technically it's a, it's a mailing list, but uh, anyway. Nice. Gene, uh, what are your picks? Okay, I, I got two picks, and I'm going to pump up my hometown, which is not Houston. From Minneapolis. First one is the Choosatron. Do you guys remember those choose your own adventure books you had when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. And like the second choice you made, you got eaten by a guru or something. So you always went to the back and read them through. Uh, the Choosatron is, is an Arduino based kit. 
that lets kids create their own kind of choose your own adventure style games and let their friends play them. It's actual device. It's you can it's a kit. You know, you can build it with just a screw screwdriver, so you can get kids hacking on hardware and stuff. Kids or adults, uh, Wi-Fi enabled. They're on Kickstarter right now, and they kind of crushed their their goal. So it's happening. So you can hopefully order them soon beyond what's on the Kickstarter. So that's the Choosatron. Um, second thing, um, the replacements. The band from my hometown, Minneapolis, kind of reunited a couple nights ago, and some video clips I've hit in the YouTubes. I saw some stuff on Twitter. It's good stuff, so I'm excited to hope they come near. Those are my picks. Awesome. Pete, what are your picks? My first pick is a repick. I repicked myself. A while ago, I picked an app called Reveal, but given the topic today, I thought it would be good to re-highlight this app. So it's a it's a native Mac application that um, connects to your your running iPhone app or your Mac app and kind of shows you the, the view hierarchy live and it lets you kind of explode it out and see all the different layers and um, edit things on the fly and mess around with um, with values and kind of change the the whether the text is centered and the font and the size and things. And it's very, very cool. It's really, really impressive. If you just go to the website, uh, revealapp.com, reveal as in I'm revealing myself, uh, and uh, and just watch the video. It's pretty cool stuff. And I just tweeted them to ask them if they do anything particularly to help with uh, auto layout, but they didn't get back to me in time. So I don't know if they help specifically with auto layout, but if you're not using auto layout, then, or even if you are, then check it out. It's really cool. Um, my next pick is a beer pick. I've been inspired by Ben to get back to picking beer. This week I'm picking Bitter American from 21st Amendment here in San Francisco. Normally I don't really like 21st Amendment beers, but Bitter American is good. It's a session beer, so it's low alcohol. It's like four and a bit percent, but it's also very nice and hoppy and flavorful, and it comes in a can. Uh, so Bitter American. And then my third pick is inspired by that reference to Arduino just now. Um, is a Arduino-like thing called a Teensy, which is from this dude in uh, Portland, I think. Uh, and it's a it's like a very small um, Arduino-compatible kind of microprocessor prototyping thing. It's really cool. It's $19, and it does all the cool stuff that an Arduino will do, but it's um, very small and, and fun and fun to use. So Teensy Free is my third pick. That's it. Awesome. All right, well, I'll throw out a couple of picks. Now, um, my first pick is actually something that's going to be um, picked on Ruby Rogues tomorrow by somebody else, but they were sharing it today, and I thought it was cool, and since none of those guys are on this show, I can share it. It's on Wired.com, and it's the best map ever made of America's racial segregation, and it shows all of these different cities, um, including Salt Lake City, incidentally, and they're kind of their the way that they're divide it up and it's really interesting it shows like new york city and so it's got the different colors for the different races and you can see different patches of color in in the town um, yeah the the one for detroit was really like a stark contrast just so like one road divides uh one race versus the other yeah it's eight miles really interesting yeah yeah it was really really uh fascinating some of these other towns um New Orleans was one of the interesting ones, too. It had, like, some just major patches of different colors and stuff. And some of them, they kind of blend together. Um, it seems like most of the cities I looked at had more of a blue tinge to it, which meant that they were mostly um, white people, which I guess makes sense if 
the country is a majority white people. But yeah, it was really, really interesting to see how it all, um, you know, divided out. And, you know, if you live in or near a big city, it's, it's really interesting to see how it, how it goes and, and what the, you know, what the na- different neighborhoods are. So anyway, I'll, uh, I'll share that because I thought it was really interesting. And then, um, my other pick is, is, uh, just something that I use day to day that's really handy and that's the Kindle. Um, I'm also going to pick the Kindle app for Mac, um, as I've been working through the, um, Big Nerd Ranch guide to, for iOS programming and things like that. Um, and, and other books, other coding books where they actually have coding examples where you want to actually sit down and type it. It's really handy way to do it because you can put that up on one screen and you can uh, work on the other screen if you have two screens. Finally, the last pick I have is uh, a clean office. <laughs> it's it's really funny to me the just the impact that it has. Um, I was having the hardest try time just getting sitting, getting sat down, and getting to work. Um, felt like there was something that was just you know in the back of my mind that I needed to do, and cleaning up my office helped a ton with that. And so uh, I, I don't know what it is, but it just t- takes this weight off of my mind. So I'm going to pick a clean office as well. I've never heard of that. What What is that? What is what? The clean office. The clean office? Have you never seen such a thing? I've, I've never, never even conceived it's under there thing. somewhere. Yeah, is, is it on GitHub? <laughs> can, can I fork it? Do I gem it? Do I gem install clean office? Yeah, there you go. Uh, or pod install it? Is it for Cocoa Pods? Anyway, um, yeah, I can actually see the top of my desk. Now, that's not to say that like my bookshelf is totally organized, or the closet in this room is completely organized. But I, I have a workspace that I can deal with, and it's made it really easy to kind of get my head into the working mindset. So it's nice. You should try it. Cesare, what are your picks? Okay, so my first pick is a, a library, uh, a very simple library. It's called Frame Accessor. And, uh, you know, when you build, uh, when you write your own layout code <clears throat> for each component, you should extract the frame. And then <clears throat> if you want to change either either the X or Y, you got to refer to the origin. Or if you want to change the size, you have to... Uh, you know, uh, refer to the dot size, and both are are C structs under the hood. Uh, so you en- you end up doing a lot of typing, and this uh, library it's it's very simple wrapper. Uh, I'm sure there are others, but the essence is that you can write instance of your class dot x to set the x instead of writing instance of your class dot frame dot origin dot x. Uh, so very, very handy. Another pick, uh, I've checked. It's not a double. Uh, it's app.net. I mean, uh, which by the way, celebrated the first, the first anniversary, the first year of life, uh, a few weeks ago. And, uh, and when it was presented uh, and, and didn't exist, uh, yet, I thought, I thought, you know, that, that's exactly what I want. I mean, a, a, a service. The, on which I can build a, a sustainable business, and and that's why I'm I'm writing a client for for app.net. It's called Neater Neater.co. If you're interested, but uh, apart from that, I mean it's a great community, great support. Uh, it's everything you might want if you are a front end developer, uh, and, and everything you might want from a web service if you're a front end developer. 
And the third pick is not is not a framework, it's not a library, it's not it's not a piece of code. It's a community. It's called Amsterdam. It's clear that the, the, the they're playing with with the name of the city of Amsterdam. Uh, by the way, uh, Amsterdam is headquartered in in uh, Amsterdam. And you know, when you go uh, to a conference and on the way back home, you have this kind of bittersweet feeling. Uh, will I ever meet again with these with these guys? Uh, and so on and so forth. And the Amsterdam guys uh, put on a kind of of ongoing conference in Amsterdam. So you, uh, there's a space, you have, you know, a desk, a chair, Wi-Fi, and you're surrounded by people, you know, building web application, mobile applications every day, if you like. Apart from that, they, or, they organize, you know, seminars, conferences, picnics during, during the weekend. And so it's, it's great. And they have embassies all around the world. So in case, in case you're interested, you can uh, be an ambassador of, of Amsterdam. Cool. Hey, can I throw in more, one more pick? Okay. I'm, I'm inspired by the beer choices. So I wanted to throw in one that you guys, <laughs> you guys would be, uh, you would find interesting. And it's called Polygamy Porter. It's, it's brewed by the Wasatch Brew Company here. And they ha- actually has a slogan that says, why just have one? <laughs> yeah, I, I met one of the Wasatch guys here in Houston. He was at a uh, local hamburger place, and they were giving tastings of all their beers. And I tasted this and four or five others, and uh, definitely good beers. Awesome. All right, well, we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. Um, thanks for coming again, Chasener. Thanks for having yeah, me. Thanks. Yeah, great stuff. Or as Anytime. they say in, in Italy, grazie mille. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Well, go forth and auto layout. Yeah. So are, <laughs> I guess that's a verb. Yep. One more question. Are you going to be speaking at any more Coco Confs coming up? Yeah. In Boston in October, at the end of October. Cool. Um, I will see you there. Oh, right. Yeah. I saw you in the lineup. So yeah, definitely. And then any others? Uh, not that I'm aware of okay. at the moment. You just but, uh, sounded like you were going to say, oh, and this other one. So, <laughs> No, that, I mean, there, I know there are many in fall, but uh, I'm not sure I'll, I'll have time. All right, cool. Well, then if you want to go meet Chase today, then uh, plan on being in Boston at the end of October. And uh, thanks again for coming. We'll catch you all next week. Arrivederci. Thanks. thanks. Bye-bye. Ci vediamo. <laughs> <laughs>